Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. I'm telling you, you want to go get one of those. Jeez. Sublime, Tagliari, go get one. Tell them ESPN Radio sent you. I'm serious. I promise you're going to love me. You're going to thank me later. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. You love that. I too. love the Doobie Brother, but that might be a new favorite. That was really good. I think I devoured that. We put the clock on it. It was under a minute. The, the garlic aioli, <laughs> the pesto, the sun-dried tomatoes, the the spicy meats. Oh, You just can't get it anywhere else. I guess all of us, do, you know, us For talking sure. about that's just the, the nature of it all. You can't get it anywhere in this state that's a sandwich like that. It truly is. I've been lucky enough to go to Italy. That is a sandwich in the quality that you would think over there, for sure. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Colter Nuanas. We do this every Monday and Tuesday with each other. I do it every Monday <laughs> through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? Find it on the podcast, which is available on all your various podcasting platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe, all the good things. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. And the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. You want to call us? You want to text us? 361-3688. That's 361-3688. Time now to talk all things Grizz Athletics. Where do you want to start with this? Let's start with the record setter. We've highlighted Claire Howard, University of Montana goalkeeper. 
in our Treasure State Stars, but it's worth repeating. Claire Howard led Montana to a 3 nothing win over Portland State on Sunday to complete a sweep of the over the weekend of the Vikings. That moved Montana to 4-0 in Big State Conference play and 5-0 overall. They are the defending regular season league champions. And now, uh, after a 4-0 league start, they have an inside track here on getting one of those semifinal bursts because it's not going to be a full tournament. It's going to be a semis and a final. So four teams from the Big Sky will play for the spring championship. But Montana has an inside track, and much of that is on the heels of their goalkeeper. Claire Howard posted her 30th career shutout. That is an all-time Big Sky Conference record. She has a chance to put that thing way out there because she's going to have at least half a dozen regular season games in this spring, likely at least one, maybe two playoff games, and then also a season all next fall as well. So she has a chance to really put this record way out there, but she has been absolutely one of the key factors to Montana's soccer success when there are three seasons under Christian Davinsky. Without a question, and a team that was able to pick up from where they left off a year and a half in between. That is very impressive for what Grizzly Soccer's been able to do. We, we've seen this throughout a lot of sports, Coulter, in the last six months or so. What teams, specifically at the collegiate level, have been successful? The ones that are senior-laden or have a lot of upperclassmen, good leadership, and ones that are on the same page and connected, kind of a family feel. Eastern Washington basketball, they drove everybody crazy. Guess what? They were all on the same page. They were connected. They were really good. Idaho State women's basketball, same thing. But you're looking at it now, bringing it back to Grizzly soccer. This team embodies the family feel. I don't want to compare programs to programs at Montana. But as far as feeling like a family, this Grizzly soccer team does it so well. And it, oh, that's the best thing going on oh, in the athletic department right now. They are really it's the best thing going on the athletic department. It is the best athletic program in the University of Montana athletic department right now. It, it, it's, it's just no question about it. Facts are facts when it comes to the wins. I mean, 5-0. and oh, I mean, last year, like you said, they didn't lose a conference game either and got upset in the tournament, which is soccer in a nutshell. It of is, course, you can dominate sure. and then you get, you, you know, one person trips and it's a breakaway goal and you lose one nothing. your season's over. So, it's really hard to win at the tournament level, but when you talk about consistent success, there's no doubt. It's Grizzly soccer right now. Chris Chidovitsky, uh, the culture he's created, the senior lane team. I mean, there's so many people we can highlight, and I love that the whole team was all about Claire Howard, because that is what, I mean, that's what sports are all about, but she knows that it's the defenders that help her out sure. and the seniors with Alexa Coyle. We, we can't talk about Alexa Coyle enough too. I'm just so impressed every time I get to talk about or talk with Grizzly soccer. And it's, it's really cool to see them have success. Dang right. To, you can absolutely say they are the favorite, no doubt to win and hopefully go to the tournament. Chris Chubisky joined us last week on Nuwaz. Now, if you want to check out the interview on um, the podcast, it was last Thursday on our coach's corner. It was a very good interview as it always is. He's a great guy to talk to you, but uh, we had a, a little bit of an exchange where we were talking about, I think this is something that we're, again, if you know, you know. If you don't know, it might surprise you. I would say, in my opinion, that the the most physical woman's sport at the college level is actually soccer. Yeah. I think people would probably say that basketball would be in the mix. Soccer is more physical than basketball. It also takes, and we talk a lot about the development of like offensive and defensive linemen in football. It's really hard for freshmen. In basketball, even if you don't have the physical strength, the physical strength will always help you and the explosiveness will always help you in basketball. But you can get away with being small and not that strong yet if you have great skill or if you have a great basketball IQ. You can a little bit in soccer, but you have to have at least a little physical strength because teams can just bully you so hard with upperclassmen. I thought Chidovitsky 
made such a good point. He said, that's been the, the number one benefit for us of the pandemic is we've brought in these great freshman classes and then one of them has been on campus for more than a year. The other one has been on a campus for basically a pseudo fall season that didn't happen. So they're at least six months and in a lot of cases maybe like 14 or 15 months ahead of the development of where they would be at. And so even if they're a freshman, they're not. They've been in a college weight training program for three or even four semesters. And I think that's why you know this team returned everybody from a year ago no seniors. And then they added all these great recruits and transfers. They're transferred from the University of Nebraska, who's been really good. And so now you're just you're fortifying this, but now you have young players that aren't as young as maybe they would be in other years. And that what also does that tell you? They've built this thing. This isn't just a flash in the pan to your sure. run. They, they've got freshmen, sophomores now to complement those pieces. And when you talk with Chris, Chris Chitavinsky, who you had on the show, as you said, the competition they have in practice. I mean, these seniors are having to battle it out with these young recruits For too. Sure. So it's it's a really good situation with where they're at. Well, it's a revival of, of the great tradition too because I mean, when Benny DeVos was here, soccer was a big deal. And, and Grizz soccer was a big deal. I mean, it was, it was one of the preeminent women's sports at the Big Sky Conference level. Montana was on the forefront of it. Obviously, the women's basketball team pioneered so many different things for women athletes in Montana and at the college systems in Montana. But Chris Soccer was a big deal in the 90s and early 2000s. They fell on some hard times when Neil Cedric was the head coach. Mark Pecoris got it rolling a little bit, but then his uh, tenure at the University of Montana ended controversially. And so Chris Chudovitsky had to make the program into his own, but I think that they 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 hit a home run with him because I do. I think he, he's got it all. I think he's a great in-game strategic coach, but I think he also does a great job of building culture, and I think that they, they embrace the tradition of Montana and all those things, all the things that I, I know that a lot of people give me a lot of feedback and a lot of scrutiny for how much I lament the past. History is important. Expectations at an athletic department is important. Montana was at its best and will be at its best again when everybody has championship expectations at all times. They all Everybody's success makes all tides rise, and I think that's what Montana needs to get back to. But right now, it's a great soccer team that's setting the tone. It is, and I think we've had this conversation a lot off-air and on the air, too. What the University of Montana and their athletic department or the, their athletic teams can market getting good players and good student athletes here to Missoula. I think Grizzly soccer does the best job of that. They have yeah, diversity sure. all over the place from a sure. geographic standpoint, and they sell Missoula. For that's sure. why they get the top athlete, and they still get top players in yeah, the state. It is, that's a very interesting point, too, though, as well, because Soccer has a lot of hand-in-hand traits with a lot of things that are great about living in Missoula. I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot, for better or worse, there's a lot of Division I men's basketball recruits that could care less about being able to go on a hike. You know, there's a lot of Division I football or anything recruits. The outdoor stuff, it's fine. Maybe I'll try it every once in a while. A lot, of guys, a lot of guys have no experience in it, and then they get into it when they move here, and it stays a part of their lives. That's cool when that happens. But... You're going to be a lot by if you're recruiting a, a, a soccer recruit from the Western United States, particularly the Pacific Northwest, and you say, "Hey, we got hiking and fishing and floating the river." Most soccer girls are going to be like, "Great, sign me up." Sounds awesome. Oh, and you're good at soccer too. Oh, exactly. okay. Exactly. For championships, I mean, so they are. They're doing a great job of selling it. Men's and women's tennis don't get a lot of run on the the media in the mainstream media, but they're on fire right now too. In men's tennis, they rank the top 75 teams. So it's not just the top 25, they do the top 75 teams. Gonzaga this last week, number 62 in the country. Men's tennis gutted out a really impressive win 
outlasting the Bulldogs four to three in a thriller. So the men's team won, and then the women's tennis. Uh, a pivotal Big Sky Conference duel with Weber State, and they also came out on top four to three. So a pair of wins for tennis on the Grizz side as well. This is a big weekend, and I, for a lot of reasons, I think that we're not being bombastic by saying this is the best weekend for Grizzly athletics in over a calendar year. Well, right, because it's the first time right. we've had anything exactly, going on. Exactly, but all, I mean, five different programs with success. Women's tennis has had a tough stretch the yeah, last couple of yeah. years. So for them right now to be over 500, to get conference wins, to break through against teams like a Weber State, they beat Montana State 6-1 to earlier this year. They play the Cats again this weekend. That was big, and I, I guess it's two parts stemming here. Talking about the women's tennis team first, already a breakthrough year with Steve Asher. Then on the men's tennis side of things, they had big-time expectations. And, you know, they've kind of puttered through. I guess the, the first part, Jason Brown absolutely loves challenging them with playing the BYUs, the Utahs, the UNLVs, the Boise States of the world. So for them to break through against Gonzaga, what I'm saying is I guess this men's tennis team has high expectations for themselves. So the fact that they got a big win over Gonzaga, that is what can propel them to what they hope for now, which is a, a big sky conference stretch run. But that that's a big win to beat a nationally ranked team. Absolutely. So uh, good on both tennis programs. Monumental weekend for both. We talked to Chris Softball last week when we were in Indianapolis. They were at the very end of navigating a pretty brutal non-conference schedule. They lost 15 out of the 20 games that they played during the non-conference. But you sort of prophesied that you thought that that was going to be something that was really good for Montana when they entered Big Sky Conference play. Well, it seems as if it was, at least for the initial conference weekend. They won three in a row. They swept Portland State. Is that how they played, yes. right? Yep. 2-1. Uh, 10-1 and 9-8. So three in a row for Grizz softball, and all of a sudden now, it doesn't matter if you had a tough non-conference, you're sitting there 3-0 in Big Sky Conference play. I think with baseball, softball in general, the non-conference portion of the season, it's even more irrelevant in the sense of you just need to absolutely play competition, see the pitch, see the higher level of play. So when you get back into like competition, you can feel like you're the top dog. And I think Melanie Michael and Grizzly Softball have done a great job of that. Where, yeah, it's very easy for just the casual bystander. I'm not blaming anyone out there. If you are just the casual bystander, all you do is look at their record. But you don't see who they play, the travel schedule. Everybody forgets Grizzly Softball has to play their first 20 to 25 games on the road during a pandemic with a young team. So the fact that the wins didn't come maybe didn't surprise me as much. But now you're in a realm where Grizzly Softball, I know the program's still within obviously it's first 10 years of of being existent but they have established themselves now as a favorite culture in the big sky I really would put them too behind Weber State who's just owned the league left and right Montana's expected to be in the top two or three and now the record was wiped clean they are three and oh and now they've got the two toughest teams it's basically a three-horse race I would say Weber State Sac State and Montana and the Grizz get both of those teams here in Missoula. So good things are on the horizon. I still think um, if we're getting into the X's and the O's a little bit, and part of the reason why the team struggled in a tournament format is they're still looking for a number two pitcher. Right. They've got Tristan Achenbach, and, and I think she's the best pitcher in the league. But when you talk about the pressure that's put on an ace to basically have to try and go through a shutout every game, it, it kind of leads up to um, some buildup, I, I think. And Allie Brock is going to be good, but a freshman right now, Anna Toon, who we've mentioned too. Just a lot of youth on the roster, and they, they need to solidify a second pitcher if they do want to go to the NCAA tournament. But already a good sign. And this was kind of the stretch in the schedule, Coulter, um, that you thought maybe the Grizz softball team would break through. So that was good to see. Nuanas now, once we're done.
ESPN Missoula, Riley Corker, the voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanez, as we do this each, every Monday and Tuesday. Finally, the Al Manuel Track Invitational was this weekend. I misspoke, it was their only home meet. It's their only home invite. They do have a dual meet coming up. But in terms of having multiple teams from around the region, uh, they had a whole bunch of teams in town. This was a non-scored... I guess they did have scoring on the team side, but it was a little bit interesting because like, it was sort of teams sort of dueling. Some teams weren't participating in the scoring. And that's probably what's going to be like for track all year long in the sense of, okay, well, this team's going to bring a certain... You know, they're, they're going to focus on certain events this weekend and then other events the next week. So, yes, to, to further your point, for sure. Oh, a bunch of great performances, though, a bunch of PRs. Uh, Clint Mesa, he wanted as many as 10 athletes to break through their PR, and then they had basically 10 athletes that not only broke into their PRs, but broke into the top 10 marks in the conference. The, no, the numbers, culture, I think, to to remember from this, because again, when you do the team you know, format, it just uh, gets a little wanky, but 62 personal bests yeah. and 12 event wins. That That's dominating a track meet, and that's what the Grizz did this weekend. The I mean, I'm a big track nerd. I'm always diving into the What's numbers. What's your favorite event? I mean, I, I, what is my favorite event? Man, I love track, man. I, I would say you'd have to define it for me whether we're talking men's or women's. Men's I, first. I think that my favorite, I think my favorite men's events are, are twofold. I think it's, it's the, uh, I think it's the 100 meters, the 400 meters, and the javelin. Those are my three favorite, I think. Uh, on the women's side, I would say that... Well, And I also love the multis. I think the multis are an exceptional challenge of overall athleticism. Um, on the women's side, I think my favorite event is the 800 meters. Because uh, I just think that there's, there's athleticism, endurance, and strategy that all goes into it. And I think that to be an elite 800 runner, you have to have all three elements of that. That's why Carly Smidala, in, in recent memory, has been so good because she's not only so smooth and such a, a great runner, but she's also a fearsome competitor and such a strategic runner. I used to love just watching her battle with other gals, but I I, uh, I love me some track, but some, uh, I mean, there's there's a variety of, of PRs and everything. You can find it all at gogrids.com. Great job by Nick Halsey putting all this stuff together. Uh, but the number one that pops off the, the page right here is Dylan Kipp. Dylan Kip through the javelin, 230 feet and four inches. That is a that's a, a regional qualifying and it maybe even borderline national qualifying mark for sure. That's a huge throw. 230 is massive in in jab, and uh, I believe that was a PR by over 40 feet. So Jeez. he really, really, really popped one. If he can take another jump like that, that'd be pretty big. We're also efforting Kip to come on the show uh, later on uh, this week as well. So we'll keep you in tune with that. But all the results for the Grizz track and field teams, you can find those at gogrizz.com as well. So great all, overall, great weekend for Grizz Athletics and uh, some good performances at the Al Manuel invite as well from the Montana State side of things. Um, and we'll dive into that a little bit more a little bit later on here uh, in the show. But Riley's got to go. He's got to catch a bird. He's going golfing in the sunny Arizona weather. While we're sitting here, I don't even know. We got the blinds closed, but somebody just texted me that it was snowing. So, oh, uh, typical Montana. So, that, you better get up to your flight in case they got to <laughs> de-ice it while you're going to the desert. That's Montana for you in a nutshell. But either way, more on Nuanas now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. He's out for a couple days. He'll be back next week. I'll be here for the duration of the rest of your week, though, including for the rest of the show. We'll be joined by Sean Rainey, breaking down more Major League Baseball today. The NL Central opening day, less than 36 hours away. Keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula.
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're not blowing away out there. <laughs> Might have been snowing. It's not currently, but that doesn't mean it's not going to start snowing again. But either way, that's what we love about Montana. Unpredictability keeps the adventure rolling. Listen to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. If you've been with us the last week or so, we've been rolling out daily Major League Baseball previews division by division. We got AL and NL West in the books, AL and NL East in the books, and now today we will preview the National League Central and tomorrow the American League Central leading up to Thursday opening day for Major League Baseball. We will have a full slate of Major League Baseball games available on the radio right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula throughout the entire spring, summer, and into the fall. Proud to be your official affiliates for all national ESPN broadcasts as well as for the Missoula Paddleheads as well. Starting next Tuesday, a week from today, we're going to debut a 4.30 segment each Tuesday, breaking out all things baseball. Leading with the Paddleheads, but also talking about Major League Baseball on an executive level, having some fun with MLB, as well as probably talking some Legion Baseball on the statewide level as well. So stay tuned for that. Well, happy now to go to Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Sports Director. And our baseball insider, this is the fifth of six installments in our Major League Baseball preview. Tomorrow, Thursday, opening day across Major League Baseball. An exciting day. going to be fun to actually get back into a full baseball season after last year's truncated schedule. And we've rolled out all of the divisions besides the ones in the Central. So today, we'll give you the National League Central and tomorrow, the American League Central to wrap up this six-part series. But, Sean, in the National League, out West, probably the most top-heavy division in the National League. Probably two of the main pennant contenders in the Padres and the Dodgers. Yesterday we broke down the NL East. Seems like that's pretty wide open, and maybe the the division with the uh, highest floor, so to speak, maybe the the last place team is probably the best of the National League, but it also seems as if the Central probably has four contenders within it for the division title. But I don't know if any of these teams are, are going to contend for anything more than the division title. I don't even know if they'll be in the mix for the wild card. What's just your broad overview of the NL Central? Yeah, I think you you outlined it pretty well. I think it's similar to the NL East if you take out the Pirates, um, <clears throat> except all of them are just not as good. Um, I, I think this might be the most one of the most competitive divisions, but because I don't think there's any great teams in this one. Um, obviously, at the top, you're going to look to St. Louis. I mean, the Cardinals, obviously, just with their rich history, and they're just such a well-run organization. They're favored to win the division. Um, obviously, you bring in Nolan Arenado over. 
he's kind of the the big flashy name, but they got a lot of they got a lot of question marks um, throughout the rest of their roster. Like their their lineup isn't um, incredibly good. Um, Paul Goldschmidt is is solid, but he's you know kind of on the other end of of his prime. And uh, even Nolan Arenado, when you look at his numbers away from Coors Field. They're not good. His home road splits um, are considerably worse on the road. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he does with a, with a full season away from Coors Field. And I know a lot of, like, Rockies fans are going to kind of hate that statement because, you know, they think that a lot of their players that are good get, you know, people nationally kind of discredit them for what they do at Coors. But, I mean, it, it is a thing. Like, Coors Field, you can, uh, you know, the, the numbers there, it's just a hitting park. Um, and that's a fact. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Arenado does away from uh, from Coors Field, but um, I I think the Brewers are pretty talented. Um, and then you know you got the Reds, who man, I mean, I thought that they should have been so much better than they were last year, and then they lose Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young, so they might you know be around the same or take a step back. Um, and then you got the Cubs, who obviously got and then they. It's so funny that the two National League Cy Young winners or the leading guys were Trevor Bauer and Hugh Darvish, and uh, both their teams got rid of those guys. And so their teams are looking a little different, and the Cubs kind of have some drama right now with Anthony Rizzo and kind of not extending him and things like that. And then the Pirates are just a dumpster fire. So uh, it's going to be very interesting with with those four teams up top. I I kind of I like the Brewers in, in this division um, as kind of like the, the sneakier pick. They're kind of the third uh, favorite to to win the division, but I think that they will definitely beat the Reds um, in, a, in head-to-head, and I think it'll be between them and the Cardinals to, to win this division. To put this in perspective in terms of uh, the betting lines, the future bets in terms of over-under win totals, the NL East, who we previewed yesterday, uh, I think they had projected four teams with win an over-under of win totals of, of at least a 500 record, including a pair of teams in the Braves and the Mets with an over-under win total around 91-92, whereas then the NL Central, the over-under win totals for the top team in the in the division, the Cardinals, is 86, and most of the teams projected to finish under 500. So I, I agree. I think that it has a chance to have maybe the most parity within the division, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the winner of the division is going to be a true contender emerging from this to then make a run at the pennant, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the the Brewers are at like eighty three and a half. I I, I just uh, released my uh, futures bets pick. I, I love the Brewers to finish over that mark. Um, I, I just think Brandon, they, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns are two really really good pitchers who at the top of their rotation I think can uh, can carry this team. And I, I think you're going to get bounce back years from Christian Yelich and uh, some of their other guys. I like the pickup they got Colton Wong from the Cardinals. He's one of the best. You know, defensive second baseman um, in the league. They're going to move, move Kesson Hira from second over to first base. Hira had a great rookie year, struggled last year, you know, so they're hoping for a bounce back there. And then they also got Jackie Bradley Jr. And so they're going to be, and he's one of the best, you know, defensive outfielders in the game. So up the middle defensively, they are going to be really solid. Can the rest of their lineup hit? That's going to be the question. Um, and then the back end of their starting rotation, because they got, you know, Josh Hader and Devin Williams at the back end of that bullpen, which is as good of a back end of a bullpen as anybody in Major League Baseball. And so I, I think the Brewers are absolutely going to be better than their projected win total. Um, how high can they get past that? Well, it's going to be kind of depend on the, the back end of their 
starting rotation and if their lineup can can hit and if Christian Yelich can can bounce back. But the Cardinals, I mean, I mean, they're bang, they're just kind of banged up too um, with their starting pitchers. Um, and Adam Wainwright is getting pretty long in the tooth. And, and Jack Flaherty, he's kind of like everyone calls him like an ace, but he really had a really good second half of 2019, and that's kind of been about it. Like he struggled you know, a lot last year. And I just don't really, I don't trust a lot of their pitching. Um, they're, they have overall, they have bullpen depth, but they still don't have like the guy to close it out. I think they want Jordan Hicks to be that guy, but he's battled some injuries and is coming back, uh, off of missing a full season. So like, I just don't, there's a lot of question marks. There's too many question marks with the Cardinals. And I think that they're just their name brand of being the St. Louis Cardinals is kind of uh, inflating their projections here a little bit, uh, especially in the betting market. Um, and I, I think the Cubs, too, are going to be better than projected. I think they're at 78 and a half wins. I think the Cubs will be around 500. Um, I think that Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies are kind of like very similar pitchers, but they are really good uh, regular season pitchers that I think are going to eat up a lot of innings and, and you know, pitch uh, very quality innings and starts for them um, throughout the season. And they have some young talent in the rest of that uh, starting rotation. The kind of question mark for them is the back end of that bullpen. Craig Kimbrell has been all over the place the last few years. If he can be decent, he doesn't have to be what Kimbrell used to be, but if he can just be decent, I I think the Cubs can be around 500. I I picked them to finish third in this division. And then I got the Reds, uh, in fourth, um, they just don't have uh, a ton of depth. Their lineup should be fine, um, but they're, <laughs> they couldn't hit last year, and they had all these guys that were good, and they stayed primarily healthy throughout the whole year. Um, Joey Votto obviously is getting very old at this point, and uh, they got, you know, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker is, is solid, Um they have they have some talent uh, in Nick Castellanos and things like that in the lineup, but they just haven't really been able to, to piece it together. And um, I just uh, I don't trust the Reds. I think they finished fourth, and then I think the Pirates are you know might be the worst team in baseball uh, this year. They might struggle to get to fifty five wins this year. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for Pittsburgh. But that's kind of the order that I have in this division. Sean Rainey joining us, SWX Montana Sports Director. You're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Sean joins us in studio each and every Wednesday, although tomorrow might be a little bit in flux. He's got some feature stuff he's working on. But either way, we'll have the completion of our six-part division-by-division breakdown of Major League Baseball tomorrow. But, Sean, it's also interesting because we talk so extensively about the NL West and the, the great moves that a lot of teams made, it, particularly your San Diego Padres. We also talked yesterday about some of the talent that's joining the NL East. The Mets made some big moves, mainly Francisco Lindor uh, coming over from the Indians. But this division, the Central... Uh, the Cardinals, they did not pick up the option for Colton Wong. Hugh Darvish is not in the division anymore. Josh Bell, I mean, Kyle Schwarber, uh, a lot of, of exodus and pretty much only a couple uh, big-time signings coming into the division or big-time offseason moves. Arenado, uh, Jock Peterson signed with the Cubs. Other than that, I can't really think of any more. So, I mean, is this also a case of uh, sort of the, there's a lot of hype behind the other two NL divisions because of the additions, and then this one in, in turn has some subtractions? Yeah, it just seemed like, uh, well, the the Pirates for sure, um, a lot of these owners have just gone, you know, money crunching. Um, the Pirates, I mean, have 
you know, always kind of been like that. And so they, they, you know, obviously got rid of Josh Bell, who's a young promising player. Um, and the Cubs, who we are definitely not used to them, uh, kind of, you know, worried so much about money. I mean, it was uh, just a complete salary dump in the U Darvish deal. I mean, the, the Padres gave them four prospects, all of which are, you know, pretty much teenagers or guys that are, you know, four or five years away from even attempting to scratch the major leagues. And so that, that was, um, you know, a move that not a lot of Cubs fans, uh, you know, liked because, I think a lot of these owners are still making uh, some money here. And, uh, yeah, so dumping you uh, Darvish um, certainly wasn't, uh, you know, it was, it was a weird move because you still have Rizzo and Baez and Chris Bryant um, in the last year of his deal uh, before free agency. And you have all this talent. And so it was just kind of a, it's kind of an odd timing to get rid of Darvish, in my opinion. Do you think that you would maybe try and run it back one more year while you have Chris Bryant and some of these guys. Um, but, you know, they're kind of deciding to kind of, I think they're starting a, you know, like a half rebuild in the middle of while they still have, you know, some of these guys. Like I think Chris Bryant is probably more likely to end up on another team at the end of the season than he is to uh, wind up with the Chicago Cubs because I think if they're around 500, um, they're probably going to be, you know, view themselves as, as not good enough to keep him and make a run. So they're going to try and, and get something for him. And I bet they, they flip Chris Bryant for some prospects at the deadline. Um, but I do think the, the addition of Jock Peterson will be good. Um, he, he's had a really good spring um, as well. Um, they have some young pitching. Um, Alzale, um, one of their their rookies who debuted a little bit last year, um, has, has got some uh, a high ceiling, high potential. Um, and uh, they also have Wilson Contreras, who's another guy who might be flipped um, this year for some prospects as well. As his name has been kind of in the trade rumor mill for uh, for quite some time now at the catching position, who's one of the best catchers, uh, hitting catchers in the major leagues. So um, the Cubs, it'll be very interesting to see because if if they get out to a slow start, I think they're gonna they're gonna sell off all the pieces that they have. And, uh, and if they're in the, in the thick of it, then who knows, they might be buyers, but I, I definitely think that they're going to end up, uh, kind of being sellers, um, at the deadline, um, as, as far as Chicago goes. But, um, I, I think the, the Cardinals, um, could be buyers, um, at the trade deadline and the Brewers will be very interesting because they have floated Josh Hader's name around because he has, I think two more years after the season of arbitration left, and then he is going to be making a lot of money um, as a closer. And uh, so the Brewers are kind of in that position too, where they don't really want to spend big money to keep a reliever. So if they're not in it, like they can try and trade him. The Padres have been in talks with them uh, to try and trade for Hater. So um, all of these teams in this division, uh, it's just going to be very interesting to see if they think that they're good enough to contend what they do because I think if they view themselves as out of it, I think, you know, any of these teams could end up being sellers. You mentioned the Cardinals and their pitching staff. So two part question, is that their biggest drawback or is that the thing that holds them back the most? And secondly, how big of a difference does Arenado make? I mean, you mentioned kind of his inflated numbers in Colorado, but either way, I mean, is he the missing piece? Is he good enough for everything they all already have within their organization to put them over the top and make them a true contender? I don't know if he is enough to put them over the top. Um, and that's because 
I mean, he's obviously very good. He's one of the, you know, the best defensive third baseman in baseball. But for what the Cardinals, like the Cardinals have, have always been like a good defensive team. Um, I know like when they, they've, Matt Carpenter is just, you know, he should retire. He's getting, you know, way up there. And when they, they couldn't really play him at third anymore because he was pretty bad there. But besides that, like, he DH'd a lot last year. And then and they were fine um, defensively. They've always been a, a good defensive team. The issue with them is is their lineup after, you know, their, their couple main guys. Um, besides, like, Goldschmidt, and, like, they're hoping that, like, Tommy Edmond, who's a young guy, like, will will – end up being their leadoff hitter and be really good. Dylan Carlson is a young prospect that could break out, and I think a lot will be riding on on his shoulders almost more than Arenado because, to me, I think you know what you're going to get in Arenado. You know what you're going to get in Goldschmidt, and that's about it. I don't really think that you can you can trust anybody else. Yadier Molina obviously has been solid for so long. And I, I mean, you know what you're going to get from him, but it's just the, the ceiling is not very high because he's just so old now. So their lineup, I just don't really, unless Dylan Carlson takes a step forward, like Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill, like they're all these guys that like, they've always had potential, but they just haven't been able to uh, consistently put it together. Paul DeYoung is always kind of streaky. So like, I just don't, I don't trust any of these, these hitters on this team besides like two, maybe three guys. Um, so they're really going to need some breakouts from, uh, like an O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond. They're going to need those guys to step up. Um, and I, and if they don't, I, I don't think Nolan Arenado is good enough to make up for the lack of offense that the rest of those guys, if, if they don't, you know, take a step forward. Um, I don't think Arenado's good enough to make up for that. As far as the starting pitching goes, you have Flaherty at the top, and then Adam Wainwright has been solid, even as he's aged, but he's still old, and you're you're ramping up to a, you know, uh, you know, 100 more game season, and so you don't know how long he's going to last. He's had some injury issues in the past, but then, like, you know, they got the Kim pitcher who's uh, been hurt. Miles Michaelis is hurt. Um, I just don't really trust the, the back end of their starting pitching all that much. Um, they're not super deep there. Carlos Martinez has been a starter and then a bullpen guy and then a starter and then a bullpen guy. Like he, and he's streaky, but he's you know the epitome of inconsistent. And so I, th- they'll be fine. They're going to be you know 500 at worst because they're just such a well-run team and organization. But I just don't think that their ceiling is that high and and I, I could be wrong here there's there's some you know baseball people that I, you know I've fallen listened to that think they're going to win you know 90 something games and they're going to win the division but I just don't see it I don't think they're going to be as good this year and I, I like the Brewers to win the division uh, I just I think that they're overall just a better team I think you just trust more of uh, their dudes Sean Rainey joining us, SWX Montana Television, here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, breaking down the NL Central. Well, you mentioned the Brewers, and I think that that is uh, a, a, a solid pick for to win this division because they do have good talent. They have a pretty balanced roster, but it's easy to forget. Christian Yelich was the MVP of the National League in 2018, and then he had a, a sort of a, a strange year uh, in 2020. And so, I mean, how much of his uh, uh, d- does he need to be an MVP for him for them to make a run? 
Yeah, he's got to be pretty good um, for them to be to be good because they're, the rest of their offense, um, Kesson Hira is supposed to be a good hitter. Um, they're, they're second baseman who's going to be playing first this year, but he like led the National League in strikeouts last year and, and really struggled, but he's got some pop. But they don't have a, just a ton of uh, hitting throughout that that team. Like Jackie Bradley Jr., Colton Long is okay, but he's better defensively. Jackie Bradley is better defensively. Abasil Garcia has been a good hitter in the past. Um, Ryan Braun's obviously older. Um, and then they got some uh, Luis Urias, the, the prospect from the Padres that they traded over. Like he hasn't really panned out to be what they wanted. So Yelich has to be really good. And I think he will be. I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to bounce back. He, he just had some weird. I think there's two things to him where he struggled last year. So, so last year you were not allowed to have any video in the dugout. Okay, so you could not um, in between um, innings you could not go down and review a video of like prior at bats and stuff like that. And there's a, quite a number of hitters in the major leagues that said that they rely on watching video. It's like you know when we watch all the. Uh, NFL quarterbacks on their tablets, you know, when they go to the bench because they want to see, like, what the defense was doing and things like that. There's some quarterbacks that do that all the time, and that makes them comfortable, and they really rely on that video and that in-game process of being able to make adjustments and things like that. Well, that's the same thing for a lot of baseball hitters. A lot of them like to do that as well, and Christian Yelich is one of those guys. J.D. Martinez is another one that is huge on video and was open saying that, like, without that, I it was just really hard for me and struggled. Like, I mean, think about it. Like if that's your whole routine, every single game you're used to, like you go up there and then you go back and you watch your at bat and you're watching the pitcher and trying to make adjustments based on what you're seeing through that video. And then all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. More so like not having it is just in your head that like you don't feel as prepared because like that's your normal routine. So I think that messed with him a lot. And, and cause we saw it, he was not swinging the bat. Often, like if you look into the advanced stats of Christian Yelich, he didn't swing at pitches in the zone at like an incredibly high rate, more so than ever in his entire career. Like he was just taking a lot of strikes and, and getting to a lot of two strike counts. And then once you get to two strike counts, the the talent of the pitching in in, in today's game, when you get to two strikes, like you, it is it is hard to get base hits once you get to that spot. And so I don't think he's going to be taking as many. You know, pitches in the zone this year. I think he'll be a little bit more aggressive and, and have that film. And, and I think he will get back to his, you know, maybe not his MVP form, but as long as he's back to you know All Star caliber, um, I, I think the Brewers have enough as long as he's at that level to uh, win this division. Last couple things for you, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, breaking down the NL Central. We'll do the AL Central to complete our division-by-division division previews before opening day on Thursday. Listening to 1029 ESPN Missoula. All right, so give us a couple bold predictions from this division, Rain Man. Well, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if this is, like, super bold. I'll, give, I'll throw out a couple. Um, I think that uh, Tyler Malley, okay, he, you probably don't even know who that is. He is the uh, the third pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. I think he is going to has, has the potential to be their best pitcher, even better than uh, Luis Castillo. Um, I think he will have a breakout season for the Reds and be very very good with maybe a uh, about you know an eleven strikeouts per nine or better mark. Um, I also think that Cabrian Hayes 
for the Pittsburgh Pirates will be their lone glimmer of hope this season. I think he will win Rookie of the Year, and um, he'll put up like a, a war that will be as good as uh, some of the the top third baseman in baseball. Oh, here, okay, here we go. This will be this will be my uh, bold prediction. Brian Hayes will have a higher war than Nolan Arenado on the Cardinals. That that's uh, that's pretty bold right there. Uh, he's he's very good defensively. This guy can really hit the baseball. Um, he's young. He's exciting. Doesn't really have the the talent around him, which a lot of people think that that might hurt him because they will just you know not pitch to him and kind of avoid him and things like that. But I think defensively and at the plate, we'll go with Ryan Hayes has a higher WAR this season than Nolan Arenado. Um, and I do think Dylan Carlson will break out and become a, a pretty good player um, for the Cardinals this year. And uh, last one, I think, uh, let's go Brandon Woodruff will be top four, top three-ish in the Cy Young voting in the National League. Got to love it. Anything else to add on this division before we let you go, Rainey? I don't think so. I, I just I think this this division will be you know they'll get one team in. I don't think two teams will make the playoffs. Um, I think it'll be the Brewers or the Cardinals, and I think uh, an early postseason exit for either of these teams is kind of in order. As I just don't think that this uh, division is uh, all that great. Can't wait to watch it all play out. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, baseball guru, Major League Baseball. Opens up on Thursday, opening day for MLB. We'll have one more division preview for you tomorrow, breaking down the AL Central. If you missed any of these previews, we rolled them out over the last week or so. You can always just find them on the podcast. I think we started this last uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and we've done one pretty much every day since then. So uh, for all your insider baseball knowledge and previews, keep it right here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Rainey, you're the man. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate it, and uh, good luck today. Of course. Can't wait to talk tomorrow. There you go, Sean Rainey. Five in the books. The sixth and final installment of our baseball division-by-division previews will take place tomorrow. You're listening to Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Tell you what else is on tap for the rest of the week right after this. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Welcome back. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. 
I'm Coulter Duanez. We do this each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. And we're already almost up against it, so we will see you tomorrow. Sean Rainey, who usually sw- swings by on Wednesdays, SWX Montana Television, he will not be in studio tomorrow. We will have some... Um, we'll finish our Major League Baseball division-by-division division preview with our uh, American League Central preview. Also pick Sean's brain by a couple other subjects as well. And then uh, I'm efforting some guests for later on this week. Still trying to figure out practice schedules, so I don't know who, who is coming on when. But I do have a request in to talk to University of Montana track coach uh, Clint May. also want to get Dylan Kipp, outstanding javelin throw from University of Montana, on the show. And Claire Howard, senior goalie for the Grizz soccer team. Friday, I'll be in Bozeman. So Bobcat content coming at you hot. Got some interviews with various Montana State coaches. And uh, might mind the wells. Might get one of our uh, national contributors to swing on by the show. Maybe talk some FCS spring football outside of the Big Sky Conference. Get you some insight into all of that. If you missed anything in this show, it was a good show. We talked National League West with Riley Corker because he wanted to get his two cents in for Sean Rainey picking the Padres to win the NL West. So Riley had to give his uh, rebuttal on the Dodgers side of things. Asked some Dodgers trivia questions. Talked about Cal Poly opting out of the spring season. Cal Poly not going to play their second half of the spring championship football season. So they are done for now. Uh, we also had our Treasure State Stars. I think some of the best athletes from around the state of Montana. We also gave away some good stuff, a yummy sandwich, gave you some more details on our Grizz Greats painting, and uh, recap the weekend that was across. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.